This is the Creative Coach Cast with Paul Goldsmith. Brian Simpson is a singer-songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. He's made records with Grammy winners, including Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys and the legendary bluegrass singer Ricky Skaggs. He's toured with Mumford & Sons and has written several chart toppers, including Blake Shelton's A Guy With A Girl, as well as I'll Just Hold On, Joe Nichols' Yeah, and Tim McGraw's Better Than I Used To Be. Brian, welcome to the Creative Coach Cast. How are you? Good, I'm good. Thanks. That sounds... Uh... Sounds pretty good. I like that list. It's it's funny. It's only in these moments where you go like, okay, you're not completely failing at this. Yeah, you've done a few things. It's easy to forget in the heartbeat that like, man, am I dwelling in obscurity over here with nothing to show for it? And after all those hits, you still struggle with that. Oh, for sure. Really, it's just the process of, of working on the songs. All the other stuff is like kind of like trying to sort of eat air. You know what I mean? It's like it's just worthless, especially on a chart situation. It's so funny because it doesn't necessarily mean you wrote the best song. It means you have the best song currently at the moment of the songs that have made it into the airwaves. Does having a hit song that makes it to the airwaves give you any greater confidence for writing the next one? I think if you're honest with yourself enough, you realize you're just kind of like stumbling into stuff for the most part. I mean, hopefully you gain some wisdom about certain things that are like, well, let me say this. You gain some, you gain an education. Now you can use it however you want. Like I always get nervous, like going, oh, I did it this way. So I should keep doing it this way. When in actuality, I should probably like sort of like Wendell Berry said, a practice resurrection. I should just really kind of burn that person down and start over new so that I don't fall into some sort of limited sort of narrative pathway of this is how you can be creative or this is how you write a song. The moment I feel like I know how to write a song and the intriguing, exciting mystery part of it is kind of lost. And then it's kind of like, I might as well be building chairs. You know what I mean? I want to kind of stumble onto it. Like, I don't know how that happened. I don't know where that line came from. I don't know where that melody came from. Sort of these subconscious dreams that I'm having in, you know, during the daytime. Like, I want to have those kind of come spill out, but I don't want to know exactly how that all happened and occurred. So it's like less of a math equation and more of an art walking into some Jackson Pollock painting or something (laughs) like that, not knowing why it makes you feel a certain way, you know? Totally. And so what do you do to harness your creativity to capture that in the moment of inspiration so that, you know, you don't lose it when inspiration strikes? Keep my phone close, mainly. I just keep my phone close for voice memos and my little notes thing where I just write down ideas a phrase or a melody pops in my head or some lines or whatever. I just sent someone the other day, I, sent, I was sharing a, a voice note I'd made and she said it was like, it was voice note number 1926. And she goes, my God, you have that many voice notes. I'm like, yeah, I just don't let anything kind of pass. And I've also learned a lot. I learned a lot from listening to my songs or listening to segments of songs. In review, I learned a lot. So like, I'll, you know, I record it. If I'm working a song, I probably have recorded it in my phone like 25 times or something, like pieces of it in order to hear it back. The person listening to the story versus the one telling the story is having two different experiences. I have a lot of information that I may not have found its way into a song. And I want to I want to know if when I listen back to it, even though I've kind of got too much information to make it a pure test, but I want to see if it sounds like what I'm trying to get across, you know? Totally. And when you're writing a song or working on crafting the idea, How soon in that do you share it with other people? Way too soon. I share it with my wife for sure. Nobody gets pummeled with song ideas and half written. Most of them not very good songs. And I I played her a song last night I'm writing that uh, I knew it wasn't finished. I knew it wasn't right, but I also needed to play it for an audience in order to kind of like go, ah, yeah, that isn't right. It's kind of like putting puzzle pieces into place. It's like, 
that puzzle hasn't come together. But sometimes I need to force myself to just be honest because there's nothing more fun than starting a song. There's nothing more accomplished feeling than finishing a song. But it, man, it feels like you're never going to get finished with a song or finished with anything creative, honestly, whether it's putting together a record or or putting together an art project or putting together a band. It never feels like it's like kind of there. And like Leonard Cohen, you know, from what I read, he he continually changed songs that he'd written that he'd already had that were very successful. He'd still sing them differently on the road because he felt like the song was still evolving. So you definitely have to love, sort of love the process. So for me, it's just like, I'm grateful that I love the process. It makes me feel alive. And then just show up. I keep my nose to the stone, so to speak. I mean, I just want to be there holding the guitar, whatever, like when the inspiration strikes as much as possible. Because if not, you know, I can miss it. If you get a song, a beautiful song idea that comes to you in the middle of a movie at a movie theater, if you're sitting around doing, you know what I mean? It's like more difficult to to, to get it down. And, Are you whipping uh, out the guitar in the theater? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> definitely not. But I've definitely walked out of theaters, but it's still like a little stunted. You know, when you get a creative idea, like you can feel, you can feel kind of like, I don't know what it feels to actually be pregnant, but I can certainly feel like something wants to be birthed, but it doesn't involve any swelling of feet or no. odd appetites or anything like that. So maybe Lamaze, but <laughs> breathing exercises. I definitely need, right? yes. Breathing techniques while I write or make music in general, just being in the music business in general, I need new breathing techniques for sure. So how do you know when you're done? Now I've recorded songs that I, after listening to songs on records, I go, that song wasn't done. I just rushed into it. So I just needed to put it down. I mean, so maybe there's a part of that that's just like, you just record them. Can't remember if it was you 2 or somebody just said, hey, you never finish a record, you just turn it in. But I, there are songs where I feel like I can feel the final sort of piece locking into place. The final puzzle piece, I figure, I feel it lock in. That requires some sort of a impractical patience for me. It really requires me to continue to like, just be willing and, and able to be sculpted by the song as opposed to feeling like, you know, you can try to, you try to manufacture situations. It doesn't get to that place of fruition. So I kind of want the song to sort of be crafting itself. And I'm just kind of there to say, oh, there it is. There's that line. There's that melody, that whatever. And you mentioned keeping your nose to the grindstone, but how do you do that and not force it? What is an average work day for you? What's that look like? To overdraw on the metaphor, I usually keep seven tables working with seven different puzzles. So that when I get stumped on one, I just go to the other one. So I, I'll, I'll get to a place where I feel like I can't find it. I don't know what it's going to be. And I'll go to another song. Maybe that's not the best habit either. I mean, because it certainly kind of gives me an out. You know what I mean? But I, you know, I hear stories about like Towns Van Zandt locking himself in a closet for 13 hours a day to finish one song. And it's just like, you don't do that. I don't have the, I know I haven't done that yet. But there are times where I feel like maybe that'd be a good practice. Give myself no out, but my attention span won't allow for it. Or the other thing is to do, just keep yourself inspired more than anything. I mean, one of the most inspiring, creative things I can ever do is just walk out of the room, just get up, maybe go to the restroom or go get a drink of water or coffee or whatever, and just kind of shake up the sort of, when I get here sitting in this sort of sedentary place, you know, I can kind of get the molecules or whatever you want to say, get settled and it doesn't feel, and then I have to get myself back into the place. So maybe listening to music or reading about something like that, or just reading a passage or whatever. Yesterday I read a poem to get inspired by Wendell Berry and whatever it takes just to sort of get to that place. But mainly just to sort of sometimes for a few minutes, at least take my mind off of it is also another good practice. Which song is giving you the most inspiration right now? My favorite song is whatever song I just finished. So that's always the case. Of course, that'll fade the moment I finish another song. So it's very temporary. My relationship with these songs is can be somewhat hostile, I guess, the, on the song side. What's the longest period of time you've held on to a piece of a song or a hook before, you know, that 
it hasn't come to fruition. Oh, years, years, probably. Well, I, there's one song that I'm going to try and put on a record soon that like I've, I wrote back at least seven years ago. I started writing seven years ago and I've been trying to record it. And so when I'm, when I'm also writing them and then I record them and sometimes that shifts, feels like the lyrics need to shift there as well. Maybe the melody needs to change a little bit in order to make the recording to this place that I feel like it would actually translate the best. So there's all these moving pieces and I finally feel like it's, it's right. You know, I recorded a little demo of it recently and I feel like that song is, is this is the way we should do it. This is the way we're going to record it. And I feel like the chords are in the right place. The lyrics in the right place has the right emotional qualities. I mean, that song like says seven years in the making or whatever. So it can, yeah, it can be a, like a long period, but that's, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, I never have like a, any kind of like, it never goes, I mean, this is, problematic as well for sleep and things like that that are necessary <laughs> to humanity but like you know there's always the voices in my head there's always this relationship I'm always in sort of this dialogue with the muse or, or the creator or you know which is helpful to me in my spiritual dialogue to to know that I'm kind of at the will of, of the song to some degree at this at the, at the moving of the spirit and all that kind of stuff it's not really just like me and like I, I never have I have a rhyming dictionaries and such like that but I never really use them because I feel like it's not, it's not a hammer and a nail. You know, there's something also happening here that's completely different that I just, I don't know how to quantify. And that's the part that I want to stay right in. You're trying to nail jello to the wall. It's just not. Yeah. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always say it's like, kind of like, I mean, I think about this the way about my sort of theology as well. And, you know, and everything's sort of tangled up together, you know, who we are as people, but the idea of like, if you look at songs like a math equation, then they can be that, you know what I mean? There is a such thing as like song math and they use it, you know, in pop songs a lot as well. And it's sort of song math, but I feel like once a song has been, if you use song math, that song can be solved. You know, it's an equation that can be solved. But if I'm, but if I think of it more like a deconstructed painting of a Salvador Dali, like if I'm standing in the middle of a flock of, I don't know what the term would be for a bunch of butterflies, but if I'm in that, you know, like if you've ever been in one of those, like, um, I don't know what it's called, like maybe it's a, Arboretum, is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Well, yeah. So arboretum. Figure that. Arboretum. Arboretum, that's right. And, but, you know, you can go into these, and there'd be tons and tons of butterflies. Yeah. And all that is sort of, one of my bands um, did a, a video shoot, and I walked up to the uh, the door, and there was all these butterflies. I don't know how they, they, they either stay there. I don't know what was going on. But it was like this whole thing of, like, how do you put that into, you know what I mean? You don't ever solve that. You want your art and your music to be something that can be stared at for a long time and people are kidding continue letting the the art sort of like change the person that's viewing it or listening to it as opposed to walking up to the art and solving it you know yes like it's a different thing it's just like let let this thing take you and it sort of should shape you as you stare into it as opposed to like sort of sorting it out upon the first oh i like what that trick that did nobody really likes I mean, one trick ponies are like fun for a while, but ultimately they usually lose their sort of lure because you figure the trick out. That's what you want to find is that person that in life or that piece of art or whatever, you want to find that thing that has that mystery to it that transforms every time you look at it and offers something new. Do you ever experience creative block? Um, no, I don't even like to discuss it, honestly. It, it, it's It's not like a hard and fast rule, but... By the grace of God, and I completely mean that, I never have ever come to a place where I felt, I remember early on when I first moved to Nashville, for, I moved here for a couple of years in my early 20s, and I remember sitting around thinking, Mike, this is going to run out. I mean, I've only got four ideas. I, I'm going to run out pretty fast. But the truth is, 
that was when I'm, that's when I'm in those headspaces, when I was in that headspace then, I was thinking like, there's a way to write a song. There's a, there's a certain kind of thing you can write about, but not a, you know what I mean? So as, as, as I continue to grow and be shaped by my surroundings or whatever, you know, I'm still constantly sort of, hopefully kind of evolving to myself. I'm becoming who I'm, or, you know, C.S. Lewis said, I'm becoming who I've always meant to be, but have never been. I think Matt Redman, a worship songwriter said that um, it's kind of like, when people ask him whether or not he ever thinks he's going to run out of things to talk about, since he talks about God in all of his songs, he's like, no, it's like this crystal ball or a diamond up in the sun. And every time the sun moves around, it flashes at the diamond in a different way. And that's what life does on a regular basis with creativity. It gives you a new way to look at something. And if you just stay sort of open to the concepts of like having dialogues with other people, they're speaking into your situation in a way that is changing the way that you you look at life and look at experiences and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully you can pour that into your songs. You've had a lot of experiences since coming to Nashville. You mentioned coming here at 19 or 20, and you've been making songs ever since. Thousands of people make that same journey to Nashville to make music, and they end up working in restaurants or returning home brokenhearted. What do you attribute your lasting success to? Lack of other abilities, lack of other options. It was, <laughs> it's kind of this or breaking into houses. You know, I still had to do other things until around 30. I kind of like, I still had to do other jobs where I was knocking doors, selling vacuums or selling uh, security systems or selling newspaper subscriptions. That makes me sound really dated. And just for whatever reason, like I kind of fell, you know, stumbled into some opportunities from people that have really helped me. And I don't know how to attribute that to other than, like I said, grace and God taking care of the ignorant. Because uh, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to do music since I was around nine years old. I've always kind of planned that in my life somehow. And um, and when did it occur to you that you could actually make a career of this thing? Well, first time I moved it. I came to Nashville, actually, the first time playing. I played fiddle and mandolin guitar and stuff. So I was playing with another artist and I had been writing songs since I was about 15. And I saw that people were, were making a living. I actually thought all the artists wrote their own songs. They don't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're breaking news here that they don't always, at least they may show up on a lot of songs, but they don't always write them. But anyway, um, I saw that that was the case that people were doing that. And one person in particular introduced me to somebody else. And, and from that point forward, I had someone else who's kind of in the grind with me on it. And I think that's mainly usually what it is with anything in life. You sort of like for you to start to believe that it's true. I heard, I think Tim Keller said this about faith. He said that you usually need like a few things where you have this sort of revelatory experience. You need time in order to sort of study the scriptures. And then the third one would be that you have someone who, sh who gives you a practical, do you get a, a tangible someone to walk through it with, someone shows you a picture. It's not enough to simply just sort of read of Jesus or, but you need someone who is around you that's your contemporary or your peer that is actually living that out. So you can have a picture of what that looks like to not just walk through Jerusalem, but walk through, for me, it was Nashville. What does it look like to live this life? And so in music, that's the same way. You need someone that goes, oh, you're in this with me. And not few people that that, that was the case for and really helps you to, to know, oh, this can really happen. This isn't just something that happens for these people that are like on Mount Rushmore. They're not figments of my imagination, you know. So in other words, find trusted confidence that can help encourage you along the way, even when your own. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And then, you know, just there's some personality types to it. And some of my friends say that I'm just like a big parade float that kind of goes down Main Street. If you pay attention to every little criticism that comes along the way or, you know, like I'm not a big research person. I just a lot of times will just dive into stuff and it probably has hurt me, but it also helps me sometimes because sometimes I just don't know any better. And I don't know this is not the right way to do this. You know, I just kind of buy into the concept 
probably from my parents or something. I don't really care what the right way to do it is. I have fun kind of stumbling around a little bit more than I do. Like I said earlier, this is where you put your feet. If you want to walk to this place, this is the quickest way to get there. I don't really care about that. I drive my wife crazy. We'll be driving to the same place with the restaurant. We lived in the same area basically for the last 10 years and I'll drive to a different restaurant. She'll go, why are you driving this way? Why don't you drive the way that's the fastest? And I'll just be like, I don't know. I don't like doing that every time. I feel like going another way. Gone Efficiency through. is not the number one goal, but new yeah. experiences. <laughs> yeah. Now, sometimes like, I wish, man, I'd be a lot more efficient. I'd like, man, especially when it comes down to certain things, I'd be like, that new guitar I want to buy, at Carter's or whatever, Carter's Vintage Guitars. I wish I would have been more efficient with my money or some more efficient with my talent at times, but whatever. What's your biggest struggle or what keeps you up at night? Just songs really like keep me up. Um, I wake up, I sleep with songs in my head a lot. I, I wake up pretty excited about, which is strange. I've been doing this long enough where I wouldn't think I would, but I keep new projects going. There's another thing, starting new projects. I'm just like anybody else who likes sort of falling in love. That first window is so awesome. So I do that a lot. <laughs> Sometimes they, some of them work out, some of them don't, but I so still you have, like doing that. You have that new relationship energy with every creative project. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Awesome. So what are you, what are you working on now that has you most excited? I have a rec, a project out called the whistle and the bells that is, was sort of like two records about me sort of journeying through my faith and all this different stuff. And it's been something that is, was really, really helpful to me. And, and people seem to take a, a shine to it to some degree or whatever, but I'm kind of working on putting songs together to sort of make like this solo project, which is a song that, which are songs that if I could just stand in front of you and, or I could sit by myself and play them, they don't need to, they'll probably be recorded with production and stuff like that. But these are all songs at the bare bones that can kind of stand alone when played just with me and a guitar. And then songs that could kind of be dressed up with cool production as well. Then I'm doing, a, I did a bluegrass project with my buddy, Matt Menifee who we used to be in a band together back in the day in Cadillac Sky. And we put out a record last, like seven songs last year. So that, that's what I grew up listening to and playing was bluegrass. So that always keeps me rooted. And, you know, I'm kind of probably always that kid who you know, got drug out, you know, as soon as I could play my fiddle or mandolin or guitar or whatever, when I was 10 years old, playing in front of my aunts and uncles or whatever in the living room. So there's probably some part of me that still loves that sort of, I know it's true, being able to just immediately grab an instrument and play it. And, and also the communal aspect of that like acoustic music really has a communal thing that's sort of like the back and forth. It doesn't require... A whole lot of, or maybe I'm just lazy and I don't want to have to carry amps or that's probably as much as it is. Anything I, else. I don't think uh, you're lazy by your body of work <laughs> speaks for itself, but you've mentioned your faith journey and that's led to some nonprofit work. Tell us about that. Yeah, I have a, um, a nonprofit called Hands and Hearts for the Harvest in 2018 came to a place of faith and sort of like said, you know, I, I want my life to sort of look like what I believe. So I just started kind of saying yes to a lot of things. And one thing I said yes to was a trip to uh, Sierra Leone, Africa. And while I was there, I sort of got this vision. The funny thing about it is, is that uh, these visions are so romanticized and it was romanticized in my head, but it definitely takes more hard work than I ever imagined. That's for sure. But we, we went to Sierra Leone, one of the worst places to be born that the UN said at the time and a place called Benduma, Sierra Leone. And, and uh, just a whole bunch of kids that just never in their history of their people have never had an opportunity to education. So we're able to, um, with a lot of people coming along, I didn't know what to do. I just got this sort of vision for it, came back to the States, asked people to give some money. And before long, you know, we had a school started that houses about 120 kids are getting to sort of change there. Hopefully like the whole prospect of these people in this really poverty ridden place is going to change as these kids get an opportunity to learn and, and go to school and all the different things that are required. Because in Sierra Leone to go to university, you have to learn English and it didn't cost that much money really. 
I, I never want to like minimize the fact that if someone gave me, I don't know what $500 is to somebody, $500, maybe $5 to somebody else, but it might be $50,000 to somebody else, you know? So like it is harder money, but it's not so much that you have to have in order to do great things in this world. It's not as though you have to have this sort of golden egg that you save up all the time. And it's if I can just get to this number, I can really like change the world or help the world, especially in America. The money that we make here that we make say is very piddly or little can can really move some mountains in other places. That's certainly what I figured out. Well, it sounds like you've done just that. Move some mountains for the kids that now get to go to that school in Sierra Leone, Africa. And your music has moved more than a few hearts. Thank you so much for giving us a window into your creative process today. If people want to follow you online, where can they find you? You can go on the whistlesandthebells.com, the goldenagepage.com. Google Brian Simpson, I'm sure it's something. I'm not the jazz uh, pianist. Uh, if you find somebody that, you know, big, a lot of hair, corn fed, that, that you'll know you found someone of the right guy. Brian Simpson, thank you for being here. And thank you for listening to the Creative Coach Cast. I'll talk to you next time.